Welcome back in listeners to another wonderful episode of Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We have a very special guest joining us today. Today we have the writer and performer Sam Ward, whose show We Were Promised Honey is currently playing until May 21st at 59E59 Theatres. You can get your tickets and more information by visiting 59e59.org. But in the meantime, let's go ahead and welcome in our guest, Sam Ward. Welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me on, Andrew. It's a pleasure to be here. I am so happy that you are here. Our listeners might recognize your name or the title of your show from our recent Broadway bulletin, but I had the pleasure of seeing your show last week and... and Having the pleasure is just uh, doesn't even do it justice. Your show was really captivating, very unique. And I would I left and I was just like, what a fascinating way to tell a story in the theater. So while I'm ahead of myself, why don't we start by having you t- tell us about your show? Sure, yeah. So the show is, the premise is that a storyteller, me, Sam, is going to tell the story of the future of the audience, the audience who are here in the theater tonight. And that he he tells the audience that that story is going to end badly, that it's a story that doesn't end very well. And then he and then he proceeds to tell the story, and it's roughly split into four chapters. That that's kind of how it's structured. There are four chapters, and in each chapter, a different member of the audience self volunteers to be the protagonist of that story. So it becomes their story, and it's and it's um, so the first chapter is this is what's going to happen fifty years after the end of the show. And that's, you know, a, a pretty simple linear story about a uh, someone, an audience member who's going to help a stranger give birth to a baby whilst on holiday. And then they jump to the next chapter is then the next chapter is 100 years ahead. And then the chapter after that is punishment 300 years ahead. And then the chapter after that is 1000 years ahead. And it goes, you know, right up to the end of the universe. And then interweaved with that is the true story of this man called Richard Russell, who was a man who stole an empty plane in 2018 and flew it around for a bit before crashing and taking his own life. And those two, those sort of stories interact. So in terms of what's actually going on, that's the that's what you're going to see if you come and see it. This isn't so low. It's primarily me talking. And there's, I'd say, the audience participation I'd say it's pretty gentle for the most part compared to other shows I've done in my life. All my shows have tended to involve some form of audience participation. This is the most gentle audience participation I've done, I think. That that is a perfect description of what what I experienced. How did you come up with the idea for this show? I wanted to make something that was about that was about despair actually and about faith. After I did a I don't know how much you know about British politics, but I did a I I was did a bit of work on the 2019 British general election with Jeremy Corbyn, who was a very left-wing candidate, who who I backed, you know, sort of Bernie Sanders equivalent, but, but further to the left than, than Bernie, I think. And, you know, that that then then we lost that election very badly. And there was a real real feeling of despair and a real feeling of, you know, how do we move forward? And it got me th- I, I think that I think that my generation and people younger than me are a generation who really live with the sensation that things are not going to get better, basically. There's a real feeling, which I do think is slightly different than maybe who are, who were kind of born, you know, born post-World War II, which is in many ways quite a positive time. You think about, you know, my parents who lived through things like the fall of the Berlin Wall, 
there, there are these moments of real optimism and moments of like, aha, things can get better. And I don't think we really have that. My generation and, and, and lower, and I don't know how old you are, so, so I, get, I think maybe your generation as well. So I wanted to make a piece of work which rather than said to its audience and to those people, you know, oh, you're wrong. Things are going to get better. And that's what hope looks like. Rather, it's a show which says, how do we live with that feeling? How do we, how do we, how do we get through day by day with that feeling? I mean, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that things are going to get better. And so the, sh the show really came out of that, really. And so I knew I wanted, you know, my work has always involved audience participation. So that's what I'm always thinking about. And so I wanted to make something which was, telling the story of the future of the audience because I was interested in this idea of, of, of choice and, and, and things like that. And then, to be honest, the stories that I told, really, I mean, the way the show works is there's actually, there's actually loads of different stories going off at once, which if people come and see the show, they'll see what I mean. There's actually but only about four of them get kind of full, long explication, but there are a lot of stories going off. And all of those stories are about... The show is quite carefully structured. The, the, each story is about people having hope in increasingly desperate circumstances as the show goes on. So, you know, the story right at the beginning of the baby born in a lighthouse is a pretty standard classic story of hope. By the time you get to the end, you know, there's a part where two audience members read a dialogue, which is which is actually quite a sad dialogue. But that's kind of about people kind of having a totally forlorn, pointless hope, but keeping going anyway. So I wanted to make something that was that was about that, really. And, and that's where the show came from. That's awesome. What has it been like developing this show? Particularly, you know, this is a show that you brought from London and, and it's played in Edinburgh, but now it's playing here in New York. What is the, di you know, the difference been in developing it between the two? That's a good question. Well, the show, obviously, you know, there were some references I had to change bringing it across to America, you know, like, you know, names of cafes and things that you guys don't have. I mean, I would say it, the, the New York audiences and maybe the audiences of, of they, I'd say they've been quite scary in a good way, but you know, they've, they've been, uh, it's, it's really good for me. I think as someone who makes front facing work and audience participation work to kind of put myself in situations where there are audiences who I think the New York audiences are going to tell you if they don't like it. You know, they're going to make it, they're going to make it clear when they don't like it. And they will, you know, and this is a good thing. They'll talk in the show. They'll talk back, to, you know. So it's it's been a really, um, every night presents a new sort of new thing to interact with, I would say. So, yeah, they've been some of my favorite and some of my scariest audiences, I'd say. <laughs> I hope that's a good reputation that we have. <laughs> What is the message or thought you're hoping that your audiences will take away? You know, I, I've been thinking about this a lot, actually, this idea of like messages in art or thoughts in art. And it's hard because I think part of the reason that I make theatre is because there are some messages or thoughts that if you try and express them in a proposition or in language, they don't work. They don't really make sense. They're, they're, they're difficult to express. I, I, I increasingly as I make work, I actually try and avoid stuff, making stuff, which is about saying, here is a message I'm going to give to the audience or, or here's a point for you to take away. I, I think much more what the show is doing is it's saying for the next hour and five minutes, you are going to sit in a room with some people and you're going to sit in that feeling that maybe has been unconscious for a while. Or that might be a new feeling for you. Or you're going to sit in a feeling, which is the feeling of the end has already been decided. It's not a good ending. 
we're heading towards it anyway, but we're here together moving forward. And you're just going to sit in that space and have that feeling. I, I talk about it when, when I'm in, when I'm making work. Dramaturgically, I talk about it as work that focuses on creating a landscape rather than focus focuses on a message. It's, it's in the same way that, you know, you look at a, a painting and you, you don't necessarily say what's the message, right? Or what's the point of this? You're sitting in a kind of feeling that I think that's that's increasingly what I'm trying to do with the work that I make, I think, and the work that I enjoy as well. Very cool. Finally, for this first part, I want to ask, who do you hope have access to your show? Well, you know, the show has something for everyone, really. Everyone who lives in the world right now that we live in right now with the people who govern us right now, you know, all, 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 for all those people. You know, the show was made with, I think, not young people, but younger people in mind, just people who have grown up, you know, without many events, world historical events, which have indicated that things might get better. I think that's, that's you know, people who have maybe grown up with climate change as a constant and overbearing condition of their existence or with, you know, the sh- the, the kind of terrifying shift backwards to the kind of extreme right that that, that we've seen sort of since the since the kind of you know even even the kind of 90s so so those are the people who i was really thinking of when i made the show but but i do think that the show has something for everyone i don't think it's a show that just lives for one audience i'd say the majority of the audiences we've had so far coming through to 59 59 have been predominantly older audiences and, and they've gotten a lot out of the show so you know i also think that you know some people i think that maybe for some people there is a certain idea of what theatre is, which is a kind of play, and this is not that. And if you want to come and see something that I think is still compelling and is still story-based, but is not actors playing characters with a fourth wall, then it's definitely worth a visit. second part of the show we like to give our listeners a chance to get to know our guests a little bit more and i want to start by asking you what inspires you what playwrights composers shows inspire you or are even some of your favorites it was actually a lot of novels that were were really helpful one of my favorite authors is a guy called wg sebold if you know him a beautiful book called rings of saturn which is this kind of meditation on finitude, and it's it's a it's a sort of description of him walking through the Norfolk countryside, which is a county in in East England. And as he's walking, he's he's kind of meditating on different memories and stories he has of these different places, and he goes backwards and forwards in time. And it's about sort of finitude and recognizing time as a thing that moves. So that was. That was really important. Another writer, a beautiful writer called Olga Tokarczuk, who wrote a book called Flights, which is this really gorgeous, almost a short story collection, but not quite, which is about people fleeing or moving. That was really helpful. In terms of other theatre people, it's a, I mean, you know, it, it, it's a lot. And there are some British theatre makers who stand very much at the sort of foundation of the kind of work that I make. There's a, a famous British playwright, a guy called Tim Crouch, who is, you know, is a big influence on a lot of people of my generation, theatre makes my generation, he remains a big influence in terms of 
you know, he was someone who, he's someone who is primarily interested in the form of theatre and often the work he makes is about theatre. And although I don't tend to make work that is about theatre, the, the formal innovations that he is, continues to do now remain really useful, I think, and I, I find really useful. So, so find him, you know, that, that was really helpful. And then music is another huge influence, to be honest. Music's a big influence. There's an artist called Lingua Gnota, who is a sort of, describe her, she's a sort of operatic, noise, classical, heavy metal, multi-instrumentalist genius. And she made this incredible album called Sinner Get Ready, which is essentially a collection of hymns. But has this like serious, she had this she has this real sense, I think, which I really liked. You know, I'm 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 not a religious person per se, but I studied theology at university. I have a lot of fascination and love for Christianity. She really I think in that album gets under the skin of the kind of deep despair that lurks in the religious mindset, which was this thing I was interested in as well. So those were some of the big influences on on this work, I think. Very cool. Now, I know you've been very busy with We Were Promised Honey. Yeah. But have you seen any great theater lately, whether it be here in New York or back in England, that you might be able to recommend to our listeners? You know, I haven't seen any theater here in New York, unfortunately. A couple of things that I saw recently, there was a great show by someone who... I think she's American. She's Canadian by a, a player called Deborah Pearson with a company called Action Hero, a show called The Talent, which is a woman alone in a sound recording studio. It's a solo show, and it's a really great, great sort of meditation on loneliness and technical interventions in the human voice. That's great. A show which, which I actually saw last year, made by some very good friends of mine, another American, actually, which is then going to London in a couple of months' time, there's a show called Ghost of the Near Future by Emma and PJ. That remains one of the best things I've seen in years and years and years, which is, so it was really interesting going up to the Edinburgh Fringe last year with my show. There were lots of shows that were similarly meditations on sort of endings and despair. And, you know, Emma and PJ show is, is about extinction, really, and, and living in, in, in an age of extinction and extinction not as something that will happen, but has sort of always been happening. And that's a really gorgeous show, which goes to the Barbican. I hope that some of the two, either of the two of them make it across the pond at some point. Um, what is your favorite part about working in the theater? What do I love about working in the theater? Well, it's a hard part. Between making theater in the UK. I don't get too much into the sort of ins and outs of the way in which the UK artistic political scene operates at the moment or the funding situation operates at the moment but it is not an easy time at the moment uh, you know i'm conscious that in the uk we have something benefits that might seem you know in, in the us you know it's all private funding in the uk we have the arts council we have this means with which we can kind of get government support for our projects which is great but that's increasingly being limited in terms of the medium of theater itself you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm someone who has struggled with anxiety in the past, who's struggled with invasive thoughts in the past. And in many ways, I'm not the most present and the most calm, the most relaxed I feel is when I'm on stage doing the show, to be honest, which which I guess sounds no, that's not always the case. But 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 it, it's just when you're on stage, you just cannot think about anything else. You're just totally present tense. You have to be thinking about what is going on right now and that just can generate a real feeling of calm to be honest so i really enjoy that and you know i think theater can theater theater can you know i do think that 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 
the more that theatre stops trying to escape its own metaphorical nature, the stronger it is, which is why I, I tend to be more drawn to experimental, formally innovative, front-facing work, because that's the work which says, look, a theatre is an imaginary pretend space. Part of the, the joy of the theatre is that you, the audience, are going to be invited to imagine a thing along with me. And in doing so, you're going to become co-authors of this overall project, this overall landscape that we're creating. And my show tries to take that to the sort of nth degree. It says, as well as the storytelling being an imaginative one, it says, you know, imagine this is happening. Imagine there's a glass tower. Imagine this. You know, it also asks you to imagine that you are the centre of that story and that you are part of the, the, the project of authorship. So that's the thing I like about it is that is that it, it's it's inherently metaphorical quality I think oh that is a great answer I oh, thanks, love that never had an answer like that so I love it and that now leads to my favorite question which is what is your favorite theater memory well my favorite theater memory well I mean some of my favorite theater memories are when I've been in rehearsal or making rooms and you're making work and you're banging your head against the wall and you can't figure it out. And then suddenly you have this moment where you're like, Oh, it could be this. And you try it and you put it up on its feet and it works. Those moments are great. In terms of being in a theater, watching something unfold, there's a, there's a, there's a dance company called Hoffer Schechter. If you've come across them, they made a show called grand finale, which I remember seeing, I've seen it a few times. I remember seeing it for the first time in the theater and it just, I was just completely, it's just, I just thought it was unlike anything I've ever seen is this incredibly kind of thick and febrile and heavy, big music, big pictures on stage. The, the, his choreography sort of draws from more traditional sources and from kind of club culture. And the, that I just found an incredibly sort of overpowering experience. So that, that's gotta be up there, I think. I love that. I'm going to have to check this out now. That sounds amazing. The finale is gorgeous. It's actually a gorgeous. If you look up Hoffa Schechter, the, the tra- even just the trailer for Grand Finale is gorgeous, but they have the BBC did a little, it's like a 10 minute excerpt of one of their pieces called The Clowns, which you can find on YouTube. And that's even that is gorgeous. It's great. Very cool. Thank you for sharing that with us. Oh, no problem. Are there any other productions or projects you have coming on the pipeline we might be able to plug for you? Not really. Um, the, there, there, were, there is stuff coming in the future, but not for a while. The We Are Promised Honey goes till the 21st here and then goes back to the UK. And we're on a UK tour until the end of June. And then we go to sleep for a bit. And then we come back again in September and do some more places. So, but nothing, no new projects on the immediate horizon, no. So for all of our UK listeners, make sure you're staying tuned because We Were Promised Honey will be coming to you very soon. And that is a great lead into my final question, which is if our listeners want more information about We Were Promised Honey or about you, perhaps they'd like to reach out to you. How can they do that? You can go to our website. www.yesyesnono.org. We have an email address, info at yesyesnono.org. You can find us there. Perfect. Sam, thank you so much for taking the time this morning. Oh, thanks for having me, Andrew. It's been a pleasure. This has been amazing, truly. And thank you for sharing this incredible show with us here in New York and, and everywhere else. I really hope that more and more people get a chance to see this incredible experience. So thank you so much. 
Thank you. Thanks very much. My guest today has been the writer-performer Sam Ward, whose current show, We Were Promised Honey, is playing now through May 21st at 59E59 Theatres. Tickets and more information can be found at 59e59.org. And if you are listening outside of the New York area, particularly over in the UK, make sure you head over to yesyesnono.org to find more information about the show as well as where they're heading next. They will be coming to a town near you and you don't want to miss this show. If you're here in the New York area, you've got a few more days left to catch this incredible experience. Guaranteeing you will have a great time. This was one of the best shows we've seen so far this spring. You will not want to miss it. So make sure you head over to 59E59 Theaters before May 21st to see We Were Promised Honey. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. Two friends from old New York town met in a foreign land. One sang the praises of Cape. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.